Hi, Dr. Karuna. Thank Hi, Roxana. <laughs> so much for being a part of Conscious Enterprises. Thank you. It's so nice to do something with you again. I know. It was, uh, it's been a long uh, journey. It's been so great to keep in touch with you since I invited you um, on our panel. I think it was almost two years ago at Donna Karen's Urban Zen where you came and you flew out and we had a really great time on that panel. You were spectacular. Thank you. It seems like eons, right? Like we're all in 2020 now and it's like everything past this year just seems like a wash, you know? True. It's so interesting. So you are a naturopathic and Ayurvedic doctor. You're the founder of Karuna Naturopathic Healthcare. You are a natural and natu naturopathic medicine expert. I know you've delved in entrepreneurial ventures in beauty and cosmetics and all sorts of fun things. You're very entrepreneurial yourself. So I'm so excited to uh, dive into some fun stuff with you. Um, let's start with what exactly is naturopathic and Ayurvedic medicine and how does it differ from conventional medicine? So the main difference is the philosophy in naturopathic medicine. And then Ayurvedic medicine is more a branch of naturopathic medicine. So I'll cover that separately. With naturopathic medicine, we're always looking, first of all, at the whole person. So no matter what the symptom is, and I always like to use like a stomach ache as an example, we're looking at, okay, did you eat some bad food? Do you have an ulcer? Do you have appendicitis? Did you break up with your boyfriend and you're having an emotional upset? We're looking at what's the core root of every symptom. We're not just covering up the symptom, right? That's what they do in allopathic medicine. They take the symptom and they take something different than the symptom and they stop the symptom, right? In naturopathic medicine, we're also looking at the entire person. So the entire person and the root cause of what's going on. So five people could come to me with the same problem okay let's just say overwhelm and stress which has been big this year anxiety okay the reasons for that anxiety and how it hits even if it is i'll use a real example a lot of people are schooling their kids at home and they're entrepreneurs and they're losing it and i don't blame them i mean i don't have kids i can't imagine i wouldn't be able to work with little ones running around but the difference between if you're homeschooling your kids on a ranch versus a Manhattan apartment versus, you know, you and your husband are fighting over who gets to do their work versus take care of the kids, it's very different, right? So I'm not going to just give anti-anxiety medicine. I'm going to look at who is actually having that stress issue, what the environment is that they're having the issue in, and what were the precursors that led up to it. For example, you know, some people are about to get a promotion. They were about to fly to another country to have their, you know, like their dream job, their breakthrough and COVID hit. And it's a lot of pivoting. Some of us have had to pivot more, you know, it's a range. All of us have had some pivot. Some have completely different lives than they knew, you know, and it's been, you know, it's a lot for a lot of people. So I think with naturopathic medicine, that gives you like a good example. We're always going deep inside. And then of course the symptoms are alleviated, but that's not the main goal. You see, we want to make sure that the person doesn't get the symptoms back because we deal with what's causing them in the first place. Right. Ayurvedic medicine, which I love. And then I, you know, I incorporated more of that 10 years into my practice. I'm going on 20 years next year. I can't even believe it. Um, it's principle-based. And we're talking about the five elements 
that exist macrocosmically, right? Earth, water, fire, wind, space that exist in our bodies as well, microcosmically. And the point is we're not different than nature. So if we adjust to the seasons and we adjust the elements in our body, we stay healthy. And for Ayurveda, it's not just about health, it's a science of immortality, right? It has a major spiritual component in it because we're trying to get people to have longevity and hopefully forever because it has that spiritual base, right? When you have principle-based medicine, Roxana, it's amazing because you can use it anywhere. You're not looking for your special kale salad, you know, when you're in Turkey, you know, or India. You know, right now, I've been on the plane for a really long time and my wind element is aggravated because I've been off the ground. I think I need some nourishing warm food. Oh, and I shouldn't have too much spice because I tend to have a fiery constitution. So then, okay, what can I do in this country that's going to earth me and not make me too hot? You see what I mean? And once you learn these tricks and I teach these to patients, you feel balanced throughout. You can't just do fad things. It won't work. Because for me, it's always about long-term results. And that's what these, both these naturopathic medicine and the sub Ayurvedic medicine are doing, you know? So that's, you know, that part. Fascinating. It sounds like everything I've been working so hard to achieve in my life, just like a more sustainable lifestyle versus, you know, short-term band-aids and diets and fads and all these things. Um, what do you, what are some of the issues that you see with conventional medicine today? And how do you think that these Ayurvedic principles fill those gaps? This is such a huge topic. It could take up the whole, <laughs> um, conventional medicine has its purpose in acute care. Thank God for conventional medicine when you're having an emergency. And if this triggers people too bad, conventional medicine's not healthcare. It's not, it's not promoting health. It's putting out fires. The problem with that is you need to recognize way before you're in emergency zone, wake up call, you know, red alert, that there's a problem, especially this year, and you know, it's not, we're not, it's not even about this year. We're gonna have a lot, you know, going on. I mean, here where I am right now in California, we're going into lockdown again. We're gonna have, you know, stay at home probably again, ordinance. If you do not have tools of prevention on how to not get to that red alert, you are not living quality life. You're not taking care of your health, healthcare. Conventional medicine doesn't do that. Drugs are not healthcare. It's not. I'll tell you a story, you know, years and years ago when I was doing rounds, I did a round um, with the gastroenterologist. And I remember patients would come in the hospital I was at, and if they did not have, if the MD did not have a prescription, the patient was sent home. And I remember this one specific instance and the doctor said, well, you've had every prescription that we have on this list, so I can't do anything for you. And I was young, you know, and I was trying to be really humble, but I said, I think I can offer a suggestion just from naturopathic school um, because I couldn't believe that this person, you know, and this is, I mean, I'll, I'll wait, you know, cause I know we'll probably talk about how I even got into this field. Like, was it treated like a person? You know what I mean? Like, what about what they were eating? 
Like you can't tell them one single suggestion on how to change their life and just send them into liver failure, which this person was going into. And behind the scenes, when we were out of the patient room, the doctor said, look, I believe in everything you're doing. I actually do homeopathy for myself, but that's not my training. We can only do what we're trained in. And it's starting to affect a lot of MDs own mental health because they have all of these things they're working with. I mean, how many drugs can you give? Psychiatric, some people need the psychiatric meds, absolutely. And I have patients who are on them. Most people, they are not being asked the right questions and they are not able to be treated for the trauma that they've had in their lives, whether it be with bad food, relationships, bad environments, which we'll get into, you know, it's like not having the proper alignment, right? Which connects to everything that you're doing too. That's consciousness. And consciousness is what brings health. Again, kudos to uh, conventional medicine. I'm so happy it exists for emergency care. It's not about consciousness. It's not about health, right? So we just need to have a distinction um, as much as possible, especially moving forward on where the place is for conventional medicine, you know, and start calling naturopathic medicine healthcare, you know? So well put. And how did you get into medicine personally? Did you always want to be a doctor? What was your inspiration? I actually didn't always want to be a doctor. I'm still surprised sometimes that I am a doctor. Um, I was an English literature and psychology double major. I always had this fascination with genius and like what made people tick more in like the arts and literature. Um, and it's still a lifelong passion. And now I realize it's more, I realize it on a spiritual level. I thought studying the mind would help me, but it's not, it's when you're connected to source, right? And we can get into that. Um, and then I had a personal ailment. I had this lower back pain when I was in college and no one could figure out what was going on with me. And I went, I waited three months to see an orthopedic surgeon. I was in Massachusetts at the time. I went to Mount Holyoke for undergrad. And when I went in there, he put my x-ray up on the screen and he said, there's nothing wrong with you. And I've learned, you know, in the Indian culture, like doctors are God. And everyone, my mom said, just wait, he's going to have the answer, right? And I go there and that's all he said. Inside, I knew how much I was struggling. I had become vegan. I think that was a part of it. I wanted this fad, you know, I was young and I thought, oh my gosh, the animals, right? And it's a whole nother story. And I think I was just protein deficient and I was going through a lot. It was my first time away from home at that, in that level of um, distance and all women's college. I mean, the changes and the amount of uh, new input to my system was astronomical. I was never asked that. And I knew I was suffering inside. Not only that, he was so pompous. I wrote about this. I'm gonna keep talking about this and maybe one day he'll recognize it's him out there. I wrote about this for my medical school essay. He said to me, he tapped me on the shoulder and said, maybe honey, you just need to go to a Dunkin' Donuts and get a dozen donuts and put some weight on you. And I weighed probably oh. 10 pounds more than now. That was his RX to me. Oh my God. I was. I know this is going to sound crazy, but you know, we don't need, I think it was my big impetus. And I thought when I saw the prospectus for naturopathic school in the career center, I'll never forget that moment. Cause I remember this like white light came in and I went to the career counselor and I said, I want to do this. And she said, don't do this to yourself and me. You have to go pre-med now. 
and I was in a science school. So I went from Shakespeare and Oxford and Thomas Hardy to physics and biochem and biology. And I'm not gonna lie, I cried myself through it with all of these Harvard, MIT, you know, medical school bound freshmen. I was a senior, oh. but you know, it's all, I got through, it's all history. But the point is, you know, connecting back to this uh, major story of mine is that I knew that I could do it different because I wasn't listened to and I knew more was going on. And in naturopathic school to get in, you have to have some English background and psychology background. You have to have all of it. Yeah. And so when I saw it, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, this is me on paper. And so I shifted pretty drastically and I went right after college to naturopathic school. So it was just bam, 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 you know? Um, and I feel like that's still been the major purpose with whatever I do is to make sure all of a person is heard, that people know that they need to be integrated, that it's not about fragments. We should never outsource ourselves. We need to stay connected, which will be the theme, you know, throughout what I talk about today. And it can look like many ways, right? It doesn't just look like a dietary change. It doesn't just look like moving your house. It doesn't just look like your fitness program. It's what's right for you when it's right for you, for whom and when, but not to ignore anything a person says ever. So in like all these years, you know, my patient's like, oh, I don't know. This is like too much information, TMI. I'm like, everything goes, I don't care, you know? Talk to you. Can talk to me. You can talk to me about your affairs. You can talk to me about your poop. You can talk. You scream. You can talk to me about everything. Your stomach aches. Your surgeries. Your fears. You know everything. Everything. Because guess what? Going back to the beginning, it's about you. It's about the person. The ailment is not going to get better on its own. That's not what we do. Yeah, and a lot of times it's uncovering those things that you're not talking about. That you're not, you know, getting a yes. proper expression of. So. Well, you know, Roxana, that's key what you just said. That in itself can be the healing for exactly. a lot of people. People don't get the opportunity to have a safe place to share and really be listened to, you know? And it's very different to do it with a friend or even a psychologist because the training is different. They don't have the levels to help all of it, you see? Because here's, you know, I'll just throw in something because a lot of people suffer with hormonal issues. Like a lot of people think they may be going crazy or all of a sudden a depression comes or what's happening to, you know, my skin luster. And if you go for allopathic, oh, something is going on with my mind and I'm just going to buffer it. You aren't going to get the benefits of balancing your hormones and then something else can happen. A pathology. You see what I mean? So it's like you have to know that nothing is too much to share if it's causing you suffering. You know, and that's like the main thing, really. Well, you know? a big thank you to you for being one of these, you know, change makers in the healthcare industry where this is this kind of mindset is needed so much. And um, you speak a lot about pleasure and also pleasure as medicine. Can you explain to our audience what exactly that means, pleasure as medicine? Yeah. So. This came about to me in a very interesting way. So I've been working with patients for almost 20 years and I realized, so there's two parts. Part of it was like, I knew it was my purpose to teach about this, but a part of it is the science side because I've done all of these cases, right? And I started testing, I would say about five years ago, oxytocin, which is the pleasure hormone. And everybody but two people out of hundreds of people had it below average. 
And this is the hormone that makes you feel awe and wonder and giddy. And it's that feeling of when you see a sunset and you're cuddled and, you know, beautiful, like lovemaking where you're just blissed out. That's health. That's health. So how I was just so perplexed because a lot of these people weren't living life in the gutter. They had all the abundance that money could buy. A lot of them had beautiful partners. Um, a lot of them had free time. So I realized something is really wrong at the core here. And I made the connection that a lot of people are doing what they think they need. They're filling their head hunger and they're not listening to their soul hunger. The second thing, the biggest thing is that you can have all these things, but if you don't pause and connect and take in with your awareness, that's the key here, an object of pleasure. And again, as we talk further today, I don't mean that there's actually objects outside, but for the sake of conversation, you know, you have a beautiful rose garden, right? This one patient even had his own lake, man-made, you know, forest, so much wealth. He never sat on that deck that he spent millions to build. And during our session, I said, do you ever just sit here for five minutes? He said, no. And he was having a heart issue, major, because he couldn't stop the workaholic brain. He didn't even need to work. But when you pause with your awareness as a practice and you take in, like right now I'm staring at, you know, these beautiful roses that I just got for my birthday. And if I, you know, and I, they constantly give me so much pleasure. It's just like, wow, it's not mental. That's the other thing. You have to connect. If it was mental, then, you know, your nice, you know, Sherling coat and all your diamonds and all of that, you would be feeling on wonder. Why isn't it happening? And guess what? When you do this practice and you let yourself pause and take in that which, you know, your mind favorite words gives you goosebumps or like, you know, puts you in the zone or the flow, use whatever word where you pause and take it in, your biochemistry changes, your DNA changes, your hormones change. If people don't know about epigenetics, it's like, you know, we have all of these genes, but they're turned on and off by our environment. We don't have to prove all of these diseased genes and have them express, as we say. So that was another impetus for me. All of these people I've seen, you know, majority women with autoimmunity, where the body is not recognizing itself as itself and attacking itself. Guess what's the anecdote for that? Pleasure. Wow. Okay. So it's like when you take in and you pause and you connect to what you have, it's not go buy more things. I'm talking about looking at the sky. The sun sets every day. The moon's full once a month. Then something literally happens. It's a visceral experience. And oxytocin is related to so many things in the body. So many other hormonal pathways. Everything changes. Yeah, your thyroid, you know, your menstrual cycle, you know, now we're seeing, you know, melatonin, your pineal gland, all of a sudden your sleep gets better. And for what? It's free. <laughs> you know, this is the thing. So it's like this wall that we all have because we don't pause, connect and feed. That's my three steps. It's so simple. You know, and we talk about the five senses and all of that. Well, I'll bring it in now. So with the work that I teach, you know, I talk about the five senses, which are very important. And this is the big secret. 
our five senses are like mouths. They are mouths. This is not the only mouth we have, okay? And with the holidays coming up, this is very important to recognize. Our five senses are eating all the time. Whether or not we're aware of it, all the stimuli, you know, like I was sharing with you earlier, there's like drilling for three hours prior to this call. And I had to take in that, you know, vibration. If we're like in an ugly environment, you know, that's like penetrating our eyes. If we're touched improperly, if we don't have enough touch, if we have like a toxic smell. But if we're aware that these are mouths, they're eating anyway. We have no control over that. They're eating, but we do have control what we feed them. Then your power comes, you see. Oh, wait, I have five senses, their mouths. I can feed them. I just have to be aware. Then game change, game change. Me, like I have my diffuser going right now. I have so many bouquets of flowers around me. I have very specific paintings, you know, sacred art that I look at when I have to work. Um, and we can all do this. We're all, most of us are working from home. Um, and creating a beautiful environment is huge if you're an entrepreneur. And a lot of my patients have never worked from home in their lives until this year. And it's so weird for them. And I tell them, is your environment beautiful? No, I didn't do anything. What is one micro step that you can do to put something around you that you love? It's different for all of us, you see? Because your focus keeps going to it, right? It's all about focus, connect, focus, connect. You're like, oh, oh, look, there's that picture of my child or you know there's like the flowers or look you know here's my rose water mister whatever right but you know the bigger point of this is to realize that your awareness is in you it's awareness is everything that's the whole game here so wherever you put like i get to look at your beautiful face roxana and it's like i take you in right when we actually pause and connect that's when we get the fulfillment. That's when we get happiness. And then we feel that soul hunger. Remember what I was talking about from the beginning and oxytocin will comes up and guess what? Here's another thing. So everyone's going to love this oxytocin in research shown it reduces pain. Wow. And you know, and I, when I was thinking about talking to you, I put this as one of my main points that I really want to talk about pain because this year people are in pain all different types of pain. Some of us have body pain. Some of us are like overwhelmed. It's like change, every type of pain, a lot of trauma. And it's still going on. How we deal with it is up to us, but there's no stable ground. If you don't have a spiritual practice, you're going to be constantly, you know, and I'll talk about some practices we can do. But oxytocin brings pain down. It soothes you. So doing a simple practice of just pausing, taking these micro breaks throughout the day and focusing on an object of beauty and savoring it. And then realizing when it's not there, you still feel that pleasure and that it's in you, guess what? You recognize the power that's actually in you. So simple, right? It's just this reflective quality. Yeah. And it's so simple. Like it's so simple that yeah. people don't realize that every feeling you have is not just a feeling like you just said like it's creating a chemical every feeling you have is a chemical so if you feel pleasure beauty gratitude whatever it is and release something like oxytocin you literally have the power to heal whatever ailments you have and it's such an amazing i just love it it's such an amazing concept and it's such an important concept that i think people need to know today 
Yeah, and because the opposite of it is creating disease. Exactly. The lack of the pleasure, right? It's just simple, right? And it's not, you know, and I'll just say right now, it's not about hedonistic Dionysian pleasure. A lot of people ask me the difference between um, instant gratification and soul satisfying pleasure. And it's a very easy difference. One numbs you out. Oh, life is too much. Oh my gosh, I can't handle that. He said this to me, you know, whatever. Let me binge on Netflix or drink five bottles of wine or do drugs or sex or, you know, whatever your thing is. And we don't, we're all good at lying to ourselves. We all know when we're doing this. And then you think it's pleasurable. Oh my gosh, I'm such a good, you know, I'm so glad I stayed up all night watching Umbrella Academy or, you know, whatever. And then you can't get up in the morning. And the next day you're like, oh shoot, I didn't do my directive for my work. If you have to recover from it, it's not pleasure. That's like my main, if you have to recover, it's not pleasure. The other thing going back to pain is if it causes you pain and you're doing a algorithm calculation in your mind to be like, well, it's okay because I'm getting more pain. I mean, more pleasure and it's balancing out the pain. You're doing that. That's not it either. That's not it. Oh, well, you know, I get these love crumbs from this guy. So I'm just going to hang out with this or, you know, this job is like soul sucking my entire life, but you know what? It pays me well. That's not what you and I do. That's not consciousness. We take steps to stop tolerating. That's the first step, right? So it's like when I teach this work, I don't just go directly to pleasure. At first I wanted to, but I realized something. It doesn't work that way. That's why I call it the real detox and the pleasure RX. You have to look at everything that's toxic in your life. What are your leaks? Where is it? You know, there's a spectrum. Is it that relationship? Like, oh, it's haunting you. It's haunting you. Oh, my environment. Like, you know, and right now environment, we all just have to accept because a lot of us can't mobilize and we just, all of us are doing that. We're all in, in interesting, you know, environments. But this is like big, you know, big picture here, not just 2020 is you have to look at what is leaking your energy. When you, you know, when you fix those leaks or you plug them, as we say, and you stop tolerating, you take them one at a time, your container and your body, which is really important to talk about in this COVID time, it gets stronger, right? And you become you. So when you are more of you, because you're like, I'm not going to tolerate this from you anymore. I'm not going to be in this relationship. And you know what? I want a you know, bigger apartment or I want to be able to go out for walks in the middle of the day. And you tell your boss, like, I need a break, a mental health break. And it's called like a walk because it's 2020 and I'm cooped up in my child's bedroom working or whatever. It's like, you know, I've heard everything. And then you become more embodied. The more embodied you are, the less of those toxic pleasures you choose because you realize, wait a second, this doesn't feel good. You know, you've set a different bar. Your reference point is different. Literally, you'll be like, who wants this? I've felt this with different things. I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna, that's so sweeter. That's like fake sugar. You know, you just, it's different, right? Then when your bar is higher and you've connected to yourself, all your choices change. You know, and I know you're really big on purpose. That's where purpose comes from. Purpose is a direct link to who you are. But first we have to be who we are. If we're disconnected and numbing ourselves out, 
not, you know, malnourished, serving our head hunger, living half lives. And that was, you know, going back to what I was saying in the beginning, why I did this career is I want people to live versus exist. That's it. So when you become embodied, and this is such an easy practice, right? It's just connect through your five senses with your awareness, which is everything that we are, bring it in. Then all types of magic happens. I mean, all types of magic. We, can, we don't need to control that. To me, like, and I want to get back to this connection, the purpose. Yeah. But it sounds to me like, like the difference between this instant gratification, avoidance of pain type pleasure, which a lot of people get wrapped up in and don't really realize that that's kind of a different offshoot of a path versus what you're talking about, this true kind of inner pleasure is more like what I think I describe in some of my infographics and thing on social media. I kind of describe it more as like fulfillment, right? Is that what you're getting at? Like this yes. pleasure is like true fulfillment versus- Yeah, like that's exactly it. And nourishment, yeah. One, um, one numbs you out and the other one gives nourishment. And I like to use like words that have similar letters. So numbing versus nourishment, instant gratification, you have to recover from, right? When it's that real soul filling pleasure, you never forget it. That's the other one of my favorite lines that you never forget that, which gives you pleasure, you That's know, beautiful. yeah, of that kind. And getting back to that connection again. So once you kind of are able to figure out this line between, am I chasing something to, to, to band-aid over my pain? Is it like an instant gratification versus what is it that's truly giving me this inner fulfillment? What is the connection between figuring that out and really um, digging into your own purpose and, and understanding purpose? So here's some big secrets here. <laughs> Purpose is, it can be a loaded word for people, but really purpose is not hard. Purpose is your literal mirror of your authentic self coming out into the world. The more that you are yourself and embodied, the more your purpose will naturally exude. Purpose does not come from the mind. Logically, we can do many things. I'm good at many things. You're good at many things. Are we doing them? No because that's not our purpose. That would be a mental choice out of fear, out of, oh, monetary. Should we do those things if we need to? Yeah, but then we don't call it our purpose. We just say, yeah, that's what I'm doing, a side job. I'm taking care of this. I'm helping someone out, you know, with whatever. But that's not purpose. Purpose is what you're born to do. It's so close to you. It's what titillated you when you were four years old. So, we need to get back again, all wonder, get back to that. And if this is a hard, you know, and we could talk about more, like more getting into the exercise if people are like confused what this is about, you just need to be more of who you are. You need to stop tolerating, plug the leak so that you're fulfilling your soul hunger, not just your head hunger, because here's what I realized, you know, and this is going to be intense to say, going back to the beginning, is that people are starving. All my patients use so many and they have so many things. You ask them behind the scenes, they are starving for, or they wouldn't be unhappy. If the happiness was in all of these monetary things, then you would have it. Doesn't mean to exclude those things. Definitely luxury, you know, provides a certain amount of freedom, but there's a missing link here. And that's the missing link I'm talking about, right? 
And if you do not have purpose, again, this is a feedback loop, you will be unhappy too. Because I know so many people have so much, you know, they're independently wealthy or their husbands take care of them all the time. They're unhappy because there's no purpose. Purpose is not about money at all, actually. It's about doing what you're meant to do in this life. But here's the thing, if you are not you, and you've created some mutated version of yourself because you're eating, you know, Doritos and buffering all the time and doing, you know, whiskey sours at night and you're just not feeling you, you will make decisions out of the contorted you and take that job that's toxic. That's or say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, fear, scarcity, consciousness, and, you know, choose something that's going to eat you up. When you're aligned with yourself, right? You take out those leaks, you stop tolerating, you feed yourself that which you love. This it does include food on the plate. I'm just, I know it's a hot topic, we go there, but just, just pause. Take in the beauty because it's not outside of ourselves. You're becoming who you are. Then you're more aligned with satisfaction ahead of time. You get it? You, the whole reason for purpose is you're doing something that satisfies you. Yeah. But the purpose is not a thing. It's not an object. It's who is Roxana born to be in this lifetime for this cycle? Who is Karuna born to be for this cycle? And ultimately, if this is not clear to people, ultimately it's a benefit to others. No matter what you do, make bottoms of shoes, you know, teach people, mow the lawn. But if you're doing it from this source out place, it's going to be beauty. And that, you know, Ultimately, in our enlightened selves, we are awe and wonder and beauty. This is not anything, this is not foo-foo stuff here. This is actual. You're just connecting to, you know, all those wishes, all those things we hear are like magic spells, make a wish, you know, oh, this gave me goosebumps. Oh, look at that synchronicity. You're not gonna believe this happened. Like just fill in the blank, right? Oh my gosh, it's the, the matrix, you're not, you know, serendipity, all of these things, synchronicity. That's this. How are you gonna get there? It's from the heart. What makes your heart sing? You got to stop and connect. It's alchemy, you know? And how can business leaders utilize this understanding to improve their businesses? Well, you know, what's really important about business leaders and especially entrepreneurs um, is that your business is an extension of yourself. Your body is one vehicle that you live in and your business is a different body that you have to feed. The more that you are embodied, the more that you're able to feed your business the food it needs. A business is a direct extension of you. So we have to take care of ourselves as entrepreneurs. Otherwise, we have tilted businesses and our businesses, it's a direct reflection. So it's like today I'm wearing hot pink lipstick. So my reflection shows hot pink lipstick. Tomorrow, <laughs> it's like if I'm wearing, you know, I'm like in a top knot and, you know, red lipstick, it's going to show that. Same with your business, you know, if you're having like a hard day and you're like tilted over and you know, whatever, then the business is going to take a beating and nobody wants that business owners. It's like an umbilical cord I call, and I've worked with entrepreneurs. I am one, you know, it's very hard to separate out our businesses and create boundaries, you know? Um, so this work is essential because the health of you is directly connected to the health of your business. Remember it's alive. A business is a live dynamic entity. It needs care. It needs to be watered. You need to be watered, you know? And so this is, it's a direct correlation, not separate. I think most people don't realize that in business. Yeah, I agree. You know? 
And Dr. Karuna, everyone is concerned these days with COVID, the pandemic, their health, um, you know, working from home and their health. How do you think that this pandemic is affecting our ability to reach optimum wellness? Is it helping? Is it hurting? What's happening from your perspective? Yeah, and I, I was thinking about this, that kind of a paradoxical answer. So I feel like on one level, it's really beneficial for optimal health because collectively we've all paused. And if you're sensitive at all, you can feel, you know, compared to any year prior for most of our lifetimes, this silence that's underneath things because people are grounded. They're in one place. There's less air travel. Even though things supposedly we're picking up, we're stopping again now, collectively it's different. So you have the opportunity, going back to everything I was saying, to insert that slowness and that pause into your everyday lifestyle and start really looking at what is life about? What do you want? What was it working? In fact, this year is meant to be that. And that's a whole astrological thing we talk about, but it's the mass edit year. What wasn't working? Things you've ignored are gonna be in your face now as you organize your life, your desktop, your home environment, and you get frustrated over and over again that you're just here and you can't see people. I mean, these practices, you know, I didn't think it, this year was going to happen, but if you know how to connect to pleasure, especially when most of us are in isolation, you will be better off with your health than other people. Because remember what I said, the more that you plug your leaks and you're connected directly to your crucible, you are less likely to get sick. COVID is also a, it's a virus. It's still entering. The, you're going to be less likely to be a host for that, right? You know, so, but on the flip side, so on the positive side, it gives us a very mass pause and that's needed for optimal wellness. You can take time, you know, to, even if it's Zoom, like you take time to connect to people that maybe you didn't. You take time to go for walks. You take time, really, this is the main thing, reflect on what is happening because it's not gonna be over anytime soon and the world is going to need help. The United States is going to need help. We need to do things differently. This is what got us in trouble, right? So as, and also it's creating this unknown energy which anything is possible in because you can't, we don't know what's going to happen. We can't just say, oh, I'm gonna do this, you know, retreat in England next year. I'm gonna go do this trip. I'm gonna go do this business, you know, conference more than likely we will not we will not so if that was your business model then you need to pivot and the one thing that's the biggest I think benefit is space and space heals everything because we're just control freaks you know me included I have to like put it put aside space will heal a lot of things if you give yourself space and silence there's something bigger going on here and it will allow the answers to come forward so that's the positive part I feel about the pandemic. The negative part about what we're all going through is that there's too much digital stimulation and a lot of people are getting too hooked on news and getting scared. There's a lot of fear and almost everybody, you know? And, right? And so I feel like there needs to be more discipline that we all implement and I definitely have them in place to not check news constantly. I have my notifications turned off, all of my notifications, most of the time, even my texts and stuff, because here's the thing, you feel self-empowered that you're going to look when you want to look at what are the limitations in my county right now. 
Can I eat out? What's, you know, and you check. If you constantly are seeing like, you know, the political updates and all of this, all this, back to what I was saying, the five senses are eating all the time. What food are you giving them? Oh, who wants that? <laughs> I'm like, I want caviar. No, stay informed, but then you're feeding yourself poison. It is like poisoning yourself for sure. You know, so in that way, I'm a little, I am concerned for people because a lot of people don't have these practices and they're feeling very isolated and alone, especially the extroverts and I'm scared for the mental wellness. So I hope, you know, some of the things that I shared today, people can recognize it's in you with the awareness and you have everything around you to create health. For me, health is not mind and body is not separate, right? So that's my big concern. The other one is, you know, of course, what's happening to the economy and, um, just how people are gonna fend if there's not more support, you know, for the people who need it. But overall, even then, and I know I'm a little bit edgy with this, I think it needed to happen. So it's like, you know, in our tradition, you know, it's like the goddess Kali, I mean, she's about destruction to bring creation. It's the same thing. So why were we so much creating the wrong foundation? If it's coming down, there's a reason and we can't stop it. There's something bigger than us. I think that's the biggest lesson for all of us, realize. We can't control everything. So what are you going to do now? You know? Totally. You just got to surrender. Yeah. And be with the unknown, you know? I want to make sure we have time to um, get a couple questions for the upcoming holiday season because um, I know we have a hard stop. But yeah, we are amidst the holiday season. It's a weird time during pandemic. And it's a time of year where usually people are, are worried about what am I gonna indulge? What about my diet? What about weight gain? What about my health? You know, this is the time of year people are making New Year's resolutions and the gym memberships and all these things. Do you have any advice, any tips, any, recommend, any recommendations for us this time of year? Yeah, this is one of my favorite topics. I've spoken a lot about it. So. I'm going to take this from a few different angles. So first of all, remember that nourishment is not just through food. There's emotional nourishment and there's five sense nourishment. Like I just said, you're eating all the time. Most of the people overindulge because they're thinking the food's going to emotionally nourish them. There's some type of stress. There's some type of scarcity. You know, and I thought about this just yesterday. Like, why do you just overdo it on holidays? If you know it's coming, pace yourself like ahead of time give yourself a treat every day so that you don't feel like you're you know the starved child in like the can in the cookie jar right <laughs> and you know it's really important you know all jokes aside that a lot of us are emotionally malnourished right now so make sure before you get there that you do nice things for yourself take care of your emotional hunger take care of your mental hunger do this what i'm teaching you with the five senses pause Take a song that you love and let it in and savor it. Take one strawberry and take five minutes to let it in. Watch what happens. Your choices will be different at that dinner table. So that's, you know, the, the bigger uh, advice. When you're actually at the holiday gathering, which there shouldn't, I mean, we're not going to be allowed to have any, but who are, you know, whether you're on Zoom or you're with your three people outside or whoever has, you know, we all have such different rules right now in the world. It's a little bit of a crazy holiday season. So I really, the, another thing I want to throw in is to make sure you take care of your heart and trauma and loneliness. And it's coming up for a lot of people, like look at it as a retreat, you know? And that at this juncture, it's like, if you want to just watch Netflix, you always want to read these books. If you're spending it alone, make it fun. 
It's okay. It's not going to be forever. This is just what's happening right now. You know, in a way, we don't have to be so focused on Christmas or Thanksgiving. Everything's been odd anyway. It's okay. You know, like do whatever it takes to take care of yourself. If you're gathering with people and there is decadence, there's a few key things. One is you want to pause in between bites. That sends a signal from your stomach to your brain. Just put your fork down so that you can actually be satiated and then pick up your fork, chew, 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 mindful eating, and then do the next bite. If you're going to have dessert or if you know you have special dietary needs and you're going to have to recover, bring something that you can eat that makes you happy. I always do that. If you're into, you don't eat grains, bring your flourless chocolate tort, you know, whatever your thing is, be, let that be your contribution. So you have something to eat. Okay. The other thing is it's really good to have bitters before you eat. That helps with digestion. And there's a lot of different bitters on the market. Um, if it's too much for you, do something simple. Have some fennel tea, get some fennel seeds, boil it in water and have that as a tea. And it helps your digestion, helps bloating, helps keep your mind calm. That's something very easy. Um, and then the, the biggest one is to not have a lot of grains, you know, and breads and heavy foods. Select your indulgences. We all know what's going to take us down the next day. And if you want to have a little, you know, just have a bite. That's my thing. Also, I'm big on walks after holiday dinners. You know, grab your family member and do, you know, social distance walk. I can't even believe 2020. Go by yourself. Definitely move. It's big in Ayurveda. You want to move after you have eaten. Okay. Oh, really? That's a good one. Yeah, definitely right after the next day it's like not guilty exercise routines right it's like right after and also if you know you're going to indulge in dessert do your walk between dinner and dessert because it's not good to put sweet like food combining wise into the body after you've had all of this meat and savory food you're going to create bloating and constipation okay? wow that's a good one yeah. too yeah super handy thank you karina yeah. i will definitely have to uh You're welcome this later and make a little list for myself to remind myself um i like to end the interviews with a couple questions that i ask everyone number one do you consider yourself successful and how do you measure success karina you know it's so ironic you're asking me this because three days ago um on my birthday or four days ago my time is where I got a surprise portrait um, from a friend of mine from high school for my birthday, like he drew me, and him and I both got most likely to succeed in high school. <laughs> and I hadn't thought about it in a long time, but I talked about it with someone just three days ago about success and thought, why did I get nominated out of 400 people? He is like a Renaissance genius in every single way. And I had to just discuss this. So I'm glad that I get to bring it up here. I, um, I define success as the inner fulfillment and where all parts of you get expression in life. You're not leaving any rock unturned. It is not about financial success. But I feel like if you, because money is uh, energy. So if you are in alignment, that too will come, right? It's about being true to yourself and always connecting and that's, you know, success having, and I think even as a kid, you know, I was 17, when I got that most likely to succeed, I always had that some kind of a different ideology than the other kids, you know, and I feel like, and then am I successful? 
I do feel like I'm successful. I mean, I've had a lot of the outer success, but why I hesitate at all is because this work that I'm doing, I, I you know, aim to practice it more and have more space. And I want to have more pleasure, more time to just really align, you know, with who I am. All the stuff that people may see, like with my accolades, that's not what I define as success, right? And so the more people that I get to touch with the work that it has a transformational effect, that's when I'll start measuring my success more, you know, where more people's souls are saved, you know? Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. From your perspective, how do you see the world evolving in the next 10 years? And how do you see yourself contributing to it? I think you, this is a pretty, pretty hole in one one for you. Well, you know, um, but I want to do a quick like offshoot because um, I thought about this, like, who knows how the world's evolving because it's a little crazy. But then I know for sure it's evolving towards AI. You know, and being in the Bay Area right now, where it's a home of AI, and I know people are in the AI, it's already intermingling. And I think that's great for a lot of reasons, and I'm also very scared about it, okay? So I think we're evolving into more of a digital reality at every level, 100%, not 90%, 100%. How I can contribute is directly with everything I say to let people know that they need to be connected to themselves so we remain human because the younger ones are gonna start exhibiting, you know, like more AI, take time away from the screen, keep connecting to your heart, to your body, to your soul, and keep reminding people of what life is, like tangible, tactile life with awareness as we move further and further away from it as a collective. Beautiful. And what's a valuable piece of advice you'd like to leave with or share with other professionals and entrepreneurs today? I would say that the number one advice is to pause and take in this life and savor it and your progress and feed yourself intentionally what you love as medicine. And you will see when you do that and you pause for real self-love and self-care that your health will get better. Remove that which you're tolerating feed yourself that which you love. And a lot of these sufferings that you see most of the world have, you will have less of, and then you'll be a benefit of other people. So really take time on the path. It's my number one advice. It's all about that oxytocin. All about that oxytocin, girl. <laughs> this is so great. Happy holidays. You and too. have a great night. Thank you, you too.